you have a mandate from God to raise your child to the best of your ability, right? Yeah. That's spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. Our interests are going to align at certain points, enough of them apparently for Paul um, and even Jesus in the Gospels to say, yeah, you're going to have to play ball at, at some points. The question that researchers and, you know, people who are a little bit more nervous are asking, they're saying like, is the cure potentially worse than the disease, right? Good day to everyone. Welcome to KT Kingdom Thinking, where the thoughts are being thought about in the kingdom. Always. How, how you doing today, Josh? Good, man. How are you? Doing good. I got some hot topics for you. Okay, I'm ready for the topic of hotness. In the newest saga, that is the discussion about the vaccine, mm. we now have the infants in the mix. So we knew this was coming eventually. Yeah, 5 right? to 11, right? That range. 5 to 11 year olds. There's like votes being had by uh, experts in the field. That This vote was anonymous yeah. by this group of experts. They're saying, yeah, we should do it. Um, so this is going to be the new the new tug of war to be had here, and I'm particularly interested in a few things. On the one hand, um, what should be a response if and when this becomes an imperative, mm -hmm. when this becomes a mandate? Uh, what could that tap into? Public schools, um, public spheres. Yeah, public life, right? Public life. Uh, could what if you can't send your kids to school if they're not vaccinated? Mm -hmm. Things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and what are some of the pros and cons? Um, so let's try to shed some light into that. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, so I know that from a biblical perspective, right, for parents, the whole goal in that conversation is to like, you have a mandate from God to raise your child to the best of your ability, right? Yeah. That's spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. And so for me, this conversation has happened a lot, like around youth group families that are asking like, mm -hmm. hey, what do you think we should do? Yep. And the first conversation is that is like, I'm not a doctor, right? But you know, from a biblical perspective, what do you think the, the answer is? And, and so this has been very interesting to me because I think it's worth having an actual conversation um, in like good faith here and not just assume that people who don't want to get the vaccine or are afraid to get the vaccine or whatever, or yeah. have questions are yeah. just like stupid or anti-vax or whatever, right? So kind of clearing the air on that from the beginning, I think is going to be particularly mm -hmm. important to have a dialogue that's not incendiary in mm -hmm. nature and giving people the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think this is pretty important. So we've got some kind of stats and stuff that we collected. And what I want to do is I can take you through some of these things and, and talk through uh, a little bit of what people who are saying this is a good thing mm -hmm. uh, are, are the pros and some people who are a little bit nervous uh, are some of the cons around that stuff. So, uh, yeah, do you have any thoughts about this from a biblical perspective before we kind of analyze some of the data? So some of the biblical principles that might come to mind as relevant or important here would continue to be the tension between a good faith uh, willingness to play ball yeah. with the government yeah, yeah, yeah. without a full-blown submission uh, that doesn't ask questions and also without an initial uh, withdrawal from, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. so, so what does that look like? What does it mean like, okay, our interests are going to align at certain points, enough of them apparently for Paul um, and even Jesus in the Gospels to say, yeah, you're going to have to play ball right. at, at some points. Right. So that being said, um, I, do, I do think that the two most important ones would be fight the temptation to just withdraw, take your ball home and say, okay, I'm, uh, I'm going to 
create a new community where I'm no longer part of public life. Yeah, yeah. So fight that. Fight also the, well, God put the government here for a reason. Whatever they say, we have to do. Yeah. Uh, but also take responsibility for the rearing of your children. Yeah, yeah. So that's, I think, the the difficulty that we're trying to balance. Yeah, so this is the first biblical mandate is to actually probably dig into the data, right, and find out what's going on, right? Okay. We, we have an ethical responsibility uh not just as pastors, but as like churchgoers, mm-hmm. uh, irrespective of how old we are, to pay attention to this data as much as we can, because this is going to be a topic of conversation in our life for the next several years yeah. moving forward, yeah. right? And more so, this sets a precedence uh, for the next time something like this happens, which is going to invariably be, you know, not a long time from now. Mm-hmm. So let's talk uh, some top line stats just to be aware of real quick. Uh, so Pfizer and Biotech, uh, they had their phase three clinical trial, which started actually last July, okay. where they got a bunch of participants who were actually 12 and over. Uh, and there was 2,259 participants between the ages of 12 and 15 and 754 uh, between 16 and 17, which automatically makes me feel like, yeah, it's not a terribly big sample size, right, okay. to kind of roll out a vaccine. Uh, for a population of 28 million people. So something to be aware of. Right. Uh, and so, so none of those people were under 12. Right. And so okay. they're using that study, it seems like, to kind of move down, right, in some of the, in, as kind of like a uh, uh, saying, okay, it was okay for the 12 to 17-year-old range, and so now let's look at the study that we've done for the 5 to 11-year-old okay. range as well. So it's like, all right, we passed that like first trial, right? So we saw that it was good there. So let's do an even smaller version of the adult dose right. for children in 5 to 11 and see how that reacts now. Okay. So uh, Pfizer also had a clinical trial where they looked at another 2,268 children who were in that 5 to 11-year-old uh, range. Okay. And so they actually got uh, what was a 10-microgram vaccine dose, which is one-third of the adult dose. Yeah. And then they got their second one 21 days apart, so a three-week spread in between those two doses instead of a two-week spread, right, that the adults get. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, in the main clinical trial, they found that it had a 90% effectiveness rate uh, against symptomatic COVID-19, and then there were no new safety problems that were identified in the company's studies. There were no cases of heart inflammation uh, that were observed in the main studies, but there's a problem here, right? Uh, The inflamed heart is called myocarditis, and in the larger studies that they were using, uh, that was about a one in 9,000 number of people who are getting myocarditis. Well, the studies that they've used for 5 and 11 and 12 to 17 were only about 2,300 people apiece. So if that was, you're not even using enough people mm-hmm. to get to that sample size, right, where that could be potentially problematic of seeing somebody come in with an enlarged heart. So this is a, a thing that people who are leery and hesitant of are already pointing to and saying, if the sample size isn't even big enough for that, then should we even want to go along with this because we don't know if that there is something that there is a certain threshold of participatory numbers that you get to uh-huh. before the problems yeah. start revealing themselves Conclusions right so you know do we want to roll out something before we can see that potentially go yeah go off you know okay uh, in a bigger thing so what do you think of all of this thus far yeah i mean i think it's tricky uh, specifically because i think a lot of the battle over the statistics and the data is so um curved and yeah so uh what, what's the, what's the word for it um it's framed in a very particular manner exactly depending on who's doing the talking exactly right? yeah um and so that that's tricky to me mm-hmm. because i i think about the sample size i think about um the effectiveness of it and one of the things not mentioned here but that we were talking about is well how much has COVID actually been an issue yeah for kids yeah. who are five through 11 years old. Yeah. How relevant should that be? Yep. Uh, I think there's reason enough to understand at this point that for uh, seniors, people with 
pre-existing conditions, older folk. Yep, yep. There's very real vulnerabilities there. Yep. And I think that has more substance to it in the conversation for vaccinations and adults and things like that. We don't know. Right. Um, there's a lot we don't know here. And um, how much... Like how much has COVID affected? Yeah, children, so so we can talk age. about that, right? Okay. Oh, we'll, we'll kind of move into that part of the conversation. Uh, so COVID, in and of itself, has a pretty high recovery rate, right? Okay. It's an over ninety nine percent recovery rate for the population just as a whole. Overall, but it's when you get into those subcategories of age and things like that that you were talking about, where you know it's like over eighty, you're pretty much gonna die if you get it mid six sixty five and above, right? And then and so I, the younger you get, the less the more resilient you are. Yeah, to the it. less pervasive it is in in. Uh, your world. So if you're an infant, if you're under five, right, you actually are more likely to die from the flu than you are from COVID-19, right? Like that level. So that's the level, again, five and under only, not everybody. Uh, But the idea uh, with this, uh, Marty McCary wrote, uh, who's a doctor at Johns Hopkins, right, a Mm -hmm. researcher, uh, wrote that there were a more, uh, the study that he and his team did, uh, they found that there were zero kids had died uh, who didn't have a pre-existing condition, right? And so this is what's so deadly about COVID, right? There's the fact that it is a comorbidity killer, right? right? It's different than like hit by a bus, right? Which is going to be <laughs> the cause of death. <laughs> right, right, right. COVID is far more likely to, to you know, if you're else. overweight, if you have leukemia or whatever, right? right? right. And, and so what they saw was, and, and this is where Marty McCary, who's been uh, pretty vocal in, in their dislike for the idea of vaccinating children, mm. right? They were talking about this specific number 335, right? Okay. And that was the number of kids who were under 18 in total who had died. And so you this, this like population of America is like 28-ish million people, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. So you're at 335 out of 28 million, right? Yeah. It might be a little bit higher now, uh, like around 600 or something like all in with people who have pre-existing conditions and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So you're looking at an infinitesimal percentage uh-huh. right and so the question that researchers and you know people who are a little bit more nervous are asking they're saying like is the cure potentially worse than the mm. disease right is it worth going into this very literal unknown experience of not understanding like the value of how our kids bodies are going to react to it like is they're still growing they're still changing they're right. still maturing right like should we risk that when we have very clear evidence already demonstrated evidence that if your kid gets covid eh, it's pretty likely nothing's going to happen to yeah. them right especially if they're healthy in mm. every other respect and so this is the intersection of where people are fearful right even people who don't you know who are older maybe they don't have kids but maybe you're 20 and you're watching this right and you're like i'm pretty healthy like as is and i don't want to get, get it? it right should it even be a thing for me right. there and, and so this applies right to like a whole strata of people not just parents uh watching right. this video right or, and or so, the kids yeah or the kids and so the <laughs> idea you know with that being like what is the value in that and so people are very seriously asking that question and right. i think it's something that's worth i do like I, really I digging into pondering yeah particularly because the goal of zero COVID is not going to be something that we can ever get to as a society right like there will new, always new be cases yeah, it's like yeah. somebody's going to get COVID. Somebody's always going to have it. And so when we get into the mindset of like, we have to stamp this disease out entirely, mm-hmm. it's like, you know how many diseases we've eradicated as a species? Uh, probably not very One. many. One. The the idea is like, so it's an interesting kind of thought yeah. to me. And so... Uh, so where do you land on it? Yeah, you so a- I've got a two-year-old, almost three-year-old. Almost three-year-old. 
you know, in our doc, I was talking to our pediatrician about this literally this week in there, and we were talking about the value of whether or not we should get her uh, the vaccine. And so her perspective was saying like, it's a smaller version of the adult dose, uh -huh. which we know is an mRNA vaccine, right? Yeah. Which means that like- They're not injecting DNA into you. And it's not this weird thing to get her sick, right? Like it's based on uh, technology or studies, right? That are much older. They didn't just develop the vaccine out of thin air, right? This had been a well-established study and kind of way to build vaccines that had been more than 20 years old, right? And all that stuff. And so it's just a smaller version of that. So we know it's safe, right? Like empirically we know, and we understand that it's safe. Uh, but I'm always like weird about the flu shot, right? Yeah. Just for my kid. Cause yeah. it's like 33% effective of some non-viral strain. And it's like, ah, you know, so it's not quite the same thing, right? right? But it's right. like, Injecting my kid with anything that's not technically necessary Correct. makes me go like, Meh, I don't know. Like, do I have to? Yeah. And, and so, so my wonderment and, and uh, my wife and I, we've been talking about this is like, we don't necessarily have an answer where we feel like yet mm. because our daughter's in a uh, school where she can stay in that school unvaccinated and yeah. it goes through what, like six or seven years old, right, right now. And it may grow as she grows out. And it's, so it's like, okay, well, we could technically just hold her back and then we would have four years of data hmm. to analyze by the time we actually had to face that decision, yeah. right? And so it's, you know, it's the, the question of why do today what you can put off until tomorrow, yeah. there's something that is looming very heavily in our conversations right now because it's like four <laughs> more years of actually lived out data mm -hmm. would be fine. Now, if the doctor is like, no, you really need to get this because of something that pops up, like my wife and I both have the vaccine, we're both believers in the vaccine, and things like that and so yeah. we don't have any problems with it personally yeah uh and you know it's like getting boost i got the j and j one and i got a text pretty quickly from la county they're like yo you need your booster pretty quick bro <laughs> and so i think our first Isn't round my, my first round was only like 63 percent effective against the vaccine <laughs> or something like that it was like you got the rogue one and no oh, i got the one that people were freaking out about like the thing what? that it was like hurting women or something like that that six case out of the seven million people that oh. got it um and uh, so, you know, I'm a little bit iffy on yeah, it right yeah, now. Yeah. I haven't come to a decision. I don't have a problem with giving it to her, but I don't want to give it to her just because it's out and people are saying you should do it. Correct. Right? And you don't feel like you have to right now. No. But here's the issue. What if it comes down to the point where you don't have that prerogative anymore? I am a position where I can afford fiscally to not have to deal with the consequences of that. Right. Meaning what? Private so, school? yeah, I can put her in private school all through her education and I would be fine, right? Okay. Like I can make those sacrifices. I have that type of freedom and flexibility in my job. And so, so it's, it is, I want to be very aware of that privilege that I have that yes. a lot of families do not. And right. I think it's important to state that upfront. And so as a result of that, it feels, uh, dangerous like can't to me into it as well? no i feel like i'm going to argue that you shouldn't man that it's not something that should be compulsory gotcha. for the life of because children it's not life and death for yeah you and and financially. and it's not life and death for me and it's also not life and death for kids like very clearly Correct. kids 18 and under right 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 so, so, so i think that's, it feels foolish to make it compulsory to me do you think it's going to go that way i don't see how it doesn't go that way at least in blue states yeah. like honestly yeah. you know I that's mean, it feels like to me it's this is going to come down to a blue state red state conversation yeah, so, I, I don't mean, know. I'm I'm kind of I don't have you? kids yet. Uh, I have dogs, but yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think they're gonna get COVID. Probably, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> um, unless they eat a bat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I am leery of this. There's a lot of people that I know, convert, converse with, uh, who are very, very, very leery of this. Yeah. Um, and so they're either gonna move, you know move to Texas, move to Florida, but the ones that are staying in California. Uh, it's like, okay, so what are we going to do? Right. do? Do you just have to play ball? Yeah. Um, if so, 
what would be a Christian principle that we can uh, extrapolate if you're in a place where it's almost coercion? What do you think? Uh, you either have to resist or you have to jump in. I think if you were to make the decision to jump in, it doesn't hurt you because okay. I do think that the data will bear out that the COVID vaccine is not dangerous for gotcha. children gotcha. Uh, because the data is very clearly bearing that out for the, all of adults who are, <laughs> right. you know, the millions and tens of millions of adults who are vaccinated. Yeah. So I anticipate the reaction will be the same for children. Yeah. So kids are going to be dying from this. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be a big deal. Um, in so, principle though. Yeah. So principally speaking, to Texas or you got to move or d- play ball, man. Yeah. It's, so. it's increasingly becoming that. Yeah. So what do you guys think to some of our younger viewers, maybe some of our young adult viewers as well, who are thinking about this and parents as well? What are some points that you think are important to consider as this? And uh, what do you think about that? What we think is going to be the case, play ball or or move out of state. Um, Let us know. Check us out on the app, on the Juice app, and leave us a comment. See you next time on KT Kingdom Thinking, where the thoughts are had about the kingdom.